Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Tara here with another preview episode. Today, we are going to be talking about the New Orleans Pelicans. And to help us get to know the team a little bit better, I have called in Dylan Sage. Uh, Portlanders probably recognize him as one of the co-hosts of the Holy Backboard podcast, but he is also a longtime New Orleans fan. So welcome to the show. Hey, Tara, how are you? I am really good. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me uh, about this team who's, wow, the expectations have really changed for the fans, I would imagine. I remember in summer league sitting with folks from the Bird Rights and just having them be in absolute heaven watching and thinking about what it was going to be like with Zion and all these uh, young, exciting players. A lot has changed. So maybe you could start off by kind of addressing that first and how uh, New Orleans fans' expectations have changed and why. I, I kind of compare it to how Portland Trailblazers fans are uh, feeling with the expectations. It was very high to start the year, and then a couple things have went the wrong way. And, you know, being a Pelicans fan and a Blazers fan, I've learned that my heart has just... I, 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 you expect things to go wrong, and sometimes they do. And with Zion hurting himself, it was just like, "Oh God, you gotta, you gotta change your expectations immediately." And then, I mean, the Pelicans have dealt with so many injuries. Zion, of course, Darius Miller, um, Derek Favors has been out a long time. Drew Holiday went out. Lonzo was out. Everybody's been hurt for this team, so it's just a. It, expectations just changed so much and now it's like all right we, we we got our team it's hurt a lot of people are lacking confidence now but this is what we're rolling with and uh ooh, it, it, it's kind of tough watching some of those games where we just lose 12 straight or get blown out or find a way to lose a game the last 30 seconds it, it's it's been kind of rough to be a, a a pelicans fan so basically you've had your heart broken in many different ways already this season <laughs> i mean yeah from I, from all sides well um so i'm wondering if you could kind of talk about what the the plan is for this season moving forward now it's my understanding that zion could be back this year is is that true I, I believe so. I mean, Reggie Miller seems to be on a, a a campaign that he isn't playing a second in the league. But from what David Griffin said, from what the Pelicans have been saying, and they've been pretty upfront, which is kind of a, a change since no news ever gets leaked from the Blazers. But they're being upfront and saying that he's going to play. So I assume that he will play. I just don't know when. So there's no timetable no, the for, for his return. You know, you get a little, you, you see him warm up for the first time all year. And then they say, uh, you know, no timetable. Just, just be patient with him. And, and, you know, being one of the worst teams in rebounding, having Brandon Ingram be the four this year. It's like, damn, we could use a horse like Zion getting those boards and running in our fast-paced scheme. It it would really be perfect. <laughs> right. So, I mean, they do have, with the uh, trade for Anthony Davis, they had a lot of players who had been getting good playing time with Los Angeles. How have things been going in terms of the players who are remaining? Like, what is going on? What is their, uh, like, what does the play look like? So Brandon Ingram is just fantastic. He, you know, 
I, I was worried about Brandon because he's going to get paid next year. And he didn't really show the alpha mentality in the Lakers because, you know, he never really got the chance with LeBron. And, you know, he was a young, young, young player when he was with the Lakers before LeBron got there. But now it's like, okay, this this guy is an alpha. He can he he can score. He's a three level scorer. He's trying on defense. He, he I don't think he is on any trade block. I think the Pelicans are going to sign him for the max. I'd be pretty damn happy because that. I mean, when you think about Pelicans small forwards or Hornets small forwards in New Orleans, like Peja, old Peja Stojakovic and. Uh, Mashburn are the two that you that are the best, and then you look at Brandon Ingram, and he's just he's just a beast. I mean, Pelicans have had bad small forwards for ever, so it's good to have one that's has all the talent in the world. And man, just watching him shoot, watching him handle, like he has really great chemistry with all the teams. Like I players on the team, I really really love Brandon Ingram. Uh, and then you go to Lonzo Ball, and my God, I I thought I was going to love him. You know, the Gentry scheme is just so great for point guards. You look at Steve Nash, Goran Dragic, Steph Curry played in it for a year. Like, you look, and it, it gives point guards so much freedom. And I guess for Lonzo Ball right now, that freedom is, I'm going to shoot 10 three-pointers a game and maybe make two. I mean, there's some games where he has a ceiling game and just shoots the lights out. But there's so many, so many games where I see him not even penetrate the key once. Like he is just a sh- trying to be a shooter, and with this scheme, it's like dribble penetration, kick out to a shooter, and that's that that's part of the seven seconds or left offense. Like, and he is just not penetrating. So there's been games where he just comes off the bench because he's unwilling to penetrate. And Drew Holiday, who wants to be off ball so much, is handling the ball and uh, doing all the point guard duties again. It's it's like we have this high valued point guard, but he's not doing what is needed to be a good point guard. He's just shooting and he's been injured a lot. And I mean, I'm at the point where I, I would like them to trade him because I feel like it's just kicking the can down this road even more and imagining what he's like, what he could be like when, man, he, he's just not it right now. And there's going to be games where he's fantastic, but there's so many games where he's just mediocre and bad. So what do those games look like when the Pelicans are all firing on all cylinders and playing their best? I think Derek Favors setting a good example defensively because we've, we've been rolling with Jaleel Okafor and Jackson Hayes at the five for most of the year because Derek favors injuries and his mother's passing. He, we, we, we don't have a real center in the middle. So Derek favors coming back. Our, our defense is like, it went from like bottom, bottom 25, I think to in the games that he's played, we were like a top five defense. So having Derek favors rebounding and playing defense is really good. And then, us running a fast-paced offense where we don't turn the ball over, we actually get to the hoop for layups, hit three-pointers, pass the ball around, and you know, playing that fast-paced gentry offense. 
Yeah, that's a really big swing with Derek Favors in and out. Interesting. I hadn't um <clears throat> didn't know about that. Um you brought up Elvin um Alvin Gentry. The the Pelicans recently um I don't want to say <laughs> I don't know how to say it in a way that doesn't sound really sad, but just lost 13 games in a row. Oh, it was um, brutal. <laughs> it was straight up brutal. Um, so how is Alvin Gentry on the hot seat at all? I mean, given everything that's happened, you know, does, is he taking much criticism or is he pretty much getting a pass based on just, you know, not having Zion and uh, other players available? I feel like the fan base is very anti-Alvin. But they've been anti-Alvin for a long time. He's, I, I feel like he is on a hot seat, but the ownership loves him. And I think next year he, pro- he probably won't be the coach of the Pelicans, but he'll probably work for the Pelicans on like, um, you know, consulting. Or he might actually have a job in the front office. But I, I feel like the Pelican staff loves him. But maybe it's not for a coach long term. So six months ago, David Griffin was a genius. Uh, are people still feeling the same way about him? I mean, expectations are crazy. And once injuries happen, things get crazy. I still love Griff. I don't know how other people are feeling, but right now I still love him. I mean, he has set the Pelicans up so we can do uh, a bunch of things. We could sell, and we could sell those veterans and punt them right now. But in the offseason, he got a lot of contracts that are worth trading. Like, he signed players just to bigger contracts just so he could trade them. Like, there are a lot of options the Pelicans can do. Um, And it's just going to be interesting to see what happens with what they do with all these expiring contracts that are extraordinarily tradable i feel like i should have known this before we started this call but do they have their first round pick this season oh yeah and then the lakers as well mm, okay so they're in in good shape that way too um, actually they might not have the lakers okay but they do have one. Oh yeah they have pick they they have picks okay okay um I guess uh, to return to the players for a minute who's the leader in the locker room there is it drew holiday I would, yeah, I think it's Drew, and then Brandon's just playing so well that he has, he's taking a leadership role. But I think it'd be the three vets, JJ, Drew, and Derek are the the leaders because you can have all the uh, talented young players in in the world, but you need some adults in that locker room. You just can't, you just can't have young players without any leadership from that are veterans. I mean, Kevin Durant had Nick Collison and Kendrick Perkins to help him develop. You need some of those adults to help Zion and uh, Jackson and Nikhil Alexander-Walker like learn what it's like to be an NBA pro. So yeah, I think the vets have to be leaders, and I think David Griffin brought them in to be leaders as well as contributing on the floor. Mm-hmm. So kind of along that lines, one of the things that I've been reading a lot about preparing for this game is talk about trading drew holiday which on the surface to me i'm like why would you do that like um i mean zion will come back and Mm -hmm. don't you want to have somebody like him you know who is basically like you were saying one of the leaders of the team a veteran 
but they're talking about him being possible available in trades. Can you help me understand like the logic there? I think that they're listening to trade offers. I don't think they're actively trying to trade Drew Holiday. I think they're listening to offers, and if one knocks their socks off, I think it they'll take it. But I don't think they're trading him for junk. They can't trade him for junk. He's too valuable. But if someone just knocks David Griffin's socks off, I, I would imagine he's he he would get traded. But Drew was so hyped to be the face of a franchise and to trade him a few months after you said this is the guy that could be an MVP candidate seems a little panicky. I, I think you got to this year's bad and you have drew for the future and he could help Zion. I mean, both of them are extraordinarily hard workers. So why not have those two practice in the summer and do all the, the, the continuity and, you know, learn each other's games well and, use those two in the future so it sounds like it might just be a popular topic and not necessarily something that the pelicans are yeah I mean, trying to do who you, knows you know people you know people want to rate you know it's a it's a topic worth talking about and you know there's always these weird rumors of play uh, teams wanting to trade players uh out in social media so i'm not taking it serious okay i do know that we are it we are probably listening to trade offers and Drew Holiday is worth a lot but i don't i wouldn't trade him how has jj redick been player. okay how has jj redick been on that team he's always somebody that i've um been interested in keep i've always kept my eye on him he's you know got a lot to offer in terms of just you know being a walking bucket oh yeah totally and just these weird angles that he can just hit and the way he never stops moving. And I love JJ Reddick. He's, he's great. I mean, sometimes he's rusty or, or, you know, doesn't hit, but you got to think the bat like hitting a three pointer in an NBA game and not being set because you want to have, you know, the clearest angle possible. That's tough. And JJ can hit and, Think about the Pelicans team. They need shooters. And J.J. Redick is one of the best ever. So having J.J. to spread the floor for Brandon and Drew and Zion when he comes back and Jackson Hayes, it's just, you know, spacing so important. And you see it with the Blazers, how Kent Bays- people sag off Kent Bazemore. You can't have that when you have so many people that need room to slash and room to operate you need that those shooters as spacers and jj reddick's one of the best and i'm with you too on brandon ingram i've always enjoyed brandon ingram i mean i guess his first couple of years weren't necessarily enjoyable and then it wasn't beautiful but i've always thought that he had uh, a lot of potential you know just with his length and his speed what is and I, I feel like the Blazers have faced off against him before and had him go off <laughs> um what are the keys? Like, how are the Blazers gonna beat this team? Like, what do they absolutely have to do to just lock this win in? I think that number one is to stop the pick and roll, and we we saw it in that first game. Drew Holiday's pick and roll has always been effective for the Blazers, I mean, for the Pelicans. You look at uh, uh, with Julius Randle last year in the playoffs, the year before that, in the first game, they ran pick and roll a lot. 
and for a while they were getting whatever. And then I saw, then Hassan Whiteside was like, I've had enough. And then they couldn't do anything in the pick and roll. I think Pelicans, uh, I, I think that pick and roll is where we have to just lock stuff down. I mean, Jackson Hayes wants to catch that lob, mm-hmm. be in position to stop that lob. And Hassan did a really good job in the second half of that Blazers Pelican game. But yeah, I think the pick and rolls just be in those passing lanes because the Pelicans turn over the ball a lot. So be ready to get those steals and get ready for a fast paced game. The Pelic- Pelicans are a bad defensive team. Just execute offensively. And in that first game, Pelicans kind of ran a box and won because Dame was out. So it was just CJ and Hassan. So, and Melo's first game, I believe. So they just ra- they just made it extraordinarily extraordinarily difficult for CJ to get going by running, you know, Drew at him one hundred percent of the time, or Lonzo, or wh- whatever. Like just a good defender at him. With Dame, they can't run a box in one because you're leaving CJ or another shooter wide open, and you can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. think that? Right. Let's see. We're recording this on Saturday and we just learned that Mello is going to miss the game against the Timberwolves. And I had forgotten that the New Orleans games was was the first game since Mello returned. Do you think that if Mello is in the lineup, having you know been more used to the team now, uh, how do you think that his comfort level with the team will improve the Blazers chances of winning the game against the Pelicans? Oh, it's huge just because you can't sag off of Carmelo Anthony. You can't off Kent and Mario Hazonia. So it's just one more respected mm-hmm. shooter. And Carmelo, that first game, whenever there was a switch, he punished that small Pelicans guard. Like, I really enjoyed what Melo did because they the, the Pelicans were so focused on CJ that they ran like Frank Jackson at Melo, and Melo just posted him up and went to work. I think if Melo's there, it makes it a lot more difficult for the Pelicans to focus on the two superstars. Mm-hmm. Well, before we wrap it up here, I'm wondering if there's any other kind of storylines that are popular amongst New Orleans fans that people in Portland might not have heard about. Any you know players that have been getting a lot of attention or anything that's been going on that we might not have heard about? Jackson Hayes. Um, for the first like eight games... He gave up so many baskets, but after he got the playing time and learned, you don't have to jump all the time. You can just contest on the ground, which is something a lot of shot blockers have trouble with. You know, Zach Collins will jump at fakes. A lot of people, you've seen Mello, draw a lot of shot blockers off off the ground and get fouls. Jackson Hayes is one of those guys that, man, he looks like he's the real deal. And then Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he has some crazy confidence to just do step back jumpers and try and hit threes. And then, of course, Drew and uh, Brandon are just, they get theirs. Brandon is always going to produce. And that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me and uh, telling us all about what has been going on down there. You want to um, tell folks where they can find your work? So I um, am a co host of. The podcast, The Holy Backboard, Dustin Hawes and I talk about uh, the Blazers every week and we try. 
I try and, you know, say some real nerdy things that might help people uh, understand the opposing teams because uh, I watch a lot of basketball because of daily fantasy. So, you know, I, I, I kind of know the inner workings of a lot of teams. So, yeah, check us out. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Himalaya Podcasts. And uh, I'm trying to write a blog. So uh, keep on the lookout for uh, my future blog talking a lot about basketball. Oh, cool. And um, how about Twitter? Uh, at sign Desage, D-A-S-A-G-E. It's a uh, panda with a Blazers hat. It's very distinctive if you uh, uh, see me on Twitter. I, I think I have one of the more creative uh, abbeys in the game. So, uh, yeah, ch- check me out. I'll, I try and post something every Blazers game. So, yeah, check me out on Twitter. And Holy Backboard's at Holy Backboard? I believe so, yes. Okay. And... Yeah. Uh, oh, and check out Dustin Hawes' Twitter as well. I better check that out to make sure what it is. <laughs> I'm bad with the addies and stuff, with the ad signs. I forget. I just Googled Dustin Hawes every, or uh, I just search bar Dustin Hawes when I want to tweet at him. <laughs> but, but yeah. Uh, let's see. D Hawes 22 is the, my co host, Dustin Hawes. So, yeah, check out all of our Twitters. Check out the podcast. Be on the lookout for the blog that I'm going going to create during this uh uh this holiday week so uh thank awesome. you so much for having me yeah thanks for thanks for coming on i really appreciate it and uh we'll talk to you later thanks a lot for listening blazer fans <laughs>